hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Rick and Nick Show. My name is Eric Ruby. Usually alongside me is Nick White. Unfortunately, he was unable to make it this week. So we have our first ever solo Rick and Nick Show. So I guess it's just the Rick Show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me there at Eric Ruby underscore. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Rick and Nick Show. You can follow us on Apple Music, on Spotify, on Anchor, rate us five-star review, all of that fun stuff. But yep, just a solo show today. Should be a lot of fun just me and you guys hanging out, talking about sports coming back, the NBA bubble, the MLB. Is it even going to make it to two, three weeks into the season as they've already had troubles? Is the NFL even going to start? College football, WNBA, everything like that. Let's just have a good, fun conversation. And it was a good, fun night in the NBA last night. Actual opening night scrimmages no more in the Orlando bubble as the Utah Jazz, New Orleans Pelicans, and of course, Lakers and Clippers kicked off this part two of the NBA season. And if I'm going to be completely honest, it felt legit. It felt real. And I feel like that was a really big worry going into all of this, is that it kind of would feel artificial or feel like it wouldn't be an actual season. Now, of course, there's no fans there. The players are sitting far apart. It's different. Don't get me wrong. It is legitimately different. But as somebody who just sat there and watched the games, it felt familiar. It felt close enough to the same. You, you get what I'm saying? It didn't have to be perfect. We all came into this knowing that it wouldn't be an exact replication of what we were getting six months ago. But it's good. It feels real. And especially if you compare the broadcast scrimmage, uh, uh, the broadcast of the scrimmages uh, to the actual games, you felt that difference and you could see a difference in intensity and play. And we got two good games. So shout out to the NBA scheduling guys. I mean, Lakers Clippers, that was a pretty easy one. I'm not going to give you too much credit for that. But New Orleans Jazz was a great game. And it honestly could have been better if the Pelicans maybe gave in to some of the criticism that they were getting from not playing Zion Williamson. Now, you have to remember, Zion had been out of the bubble for multiple weeks, uh, dealing with a personal matter, had just gotten back recently, spent an accelerated quarantine period, and then, of course, was, quote, ready for this game. But he only played 15 minutes, but in those 15, he was 6 for 8, no three-pointers taken, 100% from free throw range, one took the, one taken there for 13 points. Not terrible, but no rebounds, one assist, two turnovers, and a negative 16 on the plus-minus. Look, it's okay to say that that was a disappointing night from Zion Williamson and that it was disappointing that you didn't get to see him more. Earlier in the season, when the Pelicans were trying to, you know, slow down the initial entrance of Zion Williamson in the league, I felt like they had a good reason. You know, slow it down because you never know how he's going to respond to injury. Not every game counts, so you don't need to use him every second of every game. And I get putting him on minutes restriction for this first game back. And he even said himself it was going to take a couple of games for him to get fully back. However, in this bubble scenario, and you're the New Orleans Pelicans, who are chasing that eighth seed, and are one of those teams that needs to pretty much win every game if you want to solidify a spot in the playoffs. You're on the outside looking in. You do every single thing that you can do. Everything to win every game. You just have to. There's no taking nights off. And when it comes down to crunch time and you're blowing your lead to a rolling Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, I get it. You committed to only playing Zion around 15 minutes, which is what he played. You have to play him. You just do. 
even if it's for the last freaking possession, you have to play him. And again, I understand both sides of it. I understand sitting him. I understand the reasoning behind it. But when you're in a bubble like this, when you're in a, such a unique situation where every single game counts, and here's the thing, if the Grizzlies come out and they win, then what are you going to do? They play today, the day that I'm recording this, at 1 p.m. against Portland. That's a winnable game for them. And if they do, you've just put yourself a little bit farther back and a, a lot more of a time crunch to make it up and make in the eighth seed. So yeah, the Utah Jazz walk away with the game 106-104. Uh, some good contributors for the Jazz. Uh, Mike Conley had a good game. Gobert scored the first points of the restart and dropped a double-double, 14-12. and 12. Donovan Mitchell with 20 points. Not a bad overall performance from the Jazz. They didn't shoot great from three, definitely. And there were a good amount of turnovers, but I feel like that's just what we're going to see for these first couple of real games. Poor shooting from three and a lot of turnovers because you saw it in the Lakers-Clippers game as well when these guys are coming back. And yeah, they played scrimmages, but they haven't played full-on, full-effort games yet. You're going to see a lot of sloppiness. I feel like we all kind of expected that. If you expected to come in here and see perfect basketball played right off the bat, I, I don't know what you were thinking coming into the bubble. But it was still fun. It was still good to watch, especially that second game. That Clippers-Lakers game, going down the last second, which both of these games did, was awesome. It was exactly what we wanted to see from this game and what we're going to want to see in a playoff series, hopefully a couple rounds into the playoffs and not in that first round. But a quick recap here, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, dynamic duo for the Clippers, kind of showed out a little bit. Paul George, 30 points, 11 to 17 from the field. Couple rebounds, couple assists, couple steals as well for Paul George. Then Kawhi Leonard, 28 points, four assists, three rebounds, 11 to 13 from the free throw line, uh, three or four from three, but not that great from the field. Over on the other side for the Lakers, LeBron having an interesting night, starting off really, really slow, still able to end up with a double-double, almost a triple-double with 16 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, including that game-sealing bucket off the self-rebound at the end. But Anthony Davis was a real story for the Lakers. 34 points, 16 of 17 from the line, 2 of 5 from 3, 8 of 19 from the field. So a lot of free throw points here. A lot of complaints about the refs. But you got to remember, the refs are getting their reps in too. They haven't refed a game in forever. Coming off the bench, Kyle Kuzma, 4 7 for 3. We got a little bit of the Dion experience, him going 5 of 10 from the field, but only 1 of 6 from 3. Overall, just a really entertaining game. Uh, you have to mention that the Clippers didn't have Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams uh, for other reasons, maybe wing-related uh, reasons but they didn't have two of their best players coming off the bench the Lakers still only win by three but it was a good statement game by LeBron but not exactly a statement with the whole game because he didn't look like himself the entire time he looked a little bit off at the beginning and you know we have to remember LeBron is human uh this is an extremely new situation for him as well and when it mattered when it came down to it the final two possessions he scored on one end and he locked up on the other. And that was really the big part was him locking up. A lot of memes were made out of it of LeBron locking up Kawhi and then Paul George taking that shot. But in reality, if you can get that out of LeBron and you can get that out of him in the playoffs, that just makes the Lakers so much more dangerous. Especially if guys like Dion can continue to create a shot. It's what the Lakers were so desperately needing. They had a lot of these players that were really good and specialized at one thing. Whether it was Rondo, who was amazing at passing, Avery Bradley, who was amazing at lockup defending. They had these guys that were very single skill specific set, which works and they definitely helped. 
but they never had that guy who could create his shot. Alex Caruso could kind of create a shot. You saw, saw, you saw it a couple times in transition. He was able to get a few buckets last game, uh, hit a couple of free throws as well, get a couple clutch steals, rebounds, all, all things of that nature. He's not bad, but he can't create a shot like Waiters can. And I'm not saying that Dion Waiters is going to be the savior of the Lakers. I'm not even saying the Lakers needed a savior in the first place. But they did kind of need somebody to create their shot off the bench. And if Dion Waiters can do that in a limited role for as cheap as they got him, for as late as they got it, that's a great deal. That's a great pickup. And it's a great way to recover from losing two rotation guards like Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo. So yeah, overall, this game was good. The opening night of the NBA was good. We still have a lot of these regular season games to go before we hit the playoffs. I think about 88 total from beginning to end. Uh, we'll see the guys kind of play themselves into shape. If we're really looking at it, these are kind of the true get-yourself-together games. I understand for teams like, I guess, the Suns, the Kings, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, these games really, really matter. For the other teams, it's maintaining your seeding or at least finding a seed that you'd like. Some people might have to win out for that, but it's getting back into playing shape because once you hit the playoffs, you have to be ready and you have to be good to go and good to play, which which kind of feels like a duh thing to say. Like you're saying they're like, oh yeah, nobody thinks they have to be ready for the playoffs, but I think there will be a legitimate difference in the style of play. And if you have the amount of turnovers that we saw last night in the playoffs, you're not going to be having these close two-point games. The other team will take advantage of it, and I can guarantee that. I don't care if you're the Clippers, I don't care if you're the Lakers, I don't care if you're the Jazz, I don't care if you're the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, whatever. You have the amount of turnovers that we saw last night, and the poor shooting from three that we saw from a lot of teams last night, it's not going to work in the playoffs. You have to figure it out, and you have to get into playing shape by the time you get to the playoffs. But, you know, let's talk about the playoffs a little bit. Obviously, we can break it down as we get closer. I do want to look in at sort of the local look in all sports, which means that we're going to have to look at the Suns and the Suns' chances to get into the playoffs. Now, they come into the bubble as the team with the least likely chance to make it into the playoffs. You know, they seem like they're there for the smallest reason, if we're being completely honest. Not saying they shouldn't be there, but they definitely are the longest shot to make their time there matter. Or are they? Because during these scrimmages, what we've seen are the steps from young players that you've been waiting for in Phoenix, especially Mikhail Bridges. Look. I'm not going to go overboard like a lot of people are when they're watching it and say he's a next superstar or stop talking about him as so much more than a 3 and D player. Well, he definitely can be more than a 3 and D player, I'm not going to completely change my outlook on his progression based off of a couple of uh, Orlando bubble scrimmages. But you can't deny that he looked more comfortable. He was easier getting into a shot and fitting into the offense overall, which I think was a big part of McHale being more than just a spot-up shooter, actually fitting in and finding his role in the offense. Incredible on defense, especially in that scrimmage against the Celtics. Sure, there were a couple clips of Jason Tatum scoring over him, but he was locking down Tatum a couple times. He was in open lanes. He was dunking on guys. He was finishing at the rim, using his length to his advantage, going up and under in a couple layups. It just looked good. It, it, it looked like he kind of had the game slow down for him. And you talk about that a lot with a lot of guys, a lot of rookies, the game slowing down for them. I still think the game has to slow down for DeAndre Ayton. I think that we saw a significant difference when the game slowed down for Devin Booker. That's when he took his all-star leap. And uh, I think we're seeing that with Mikhail Bridges. I don't think we're seeing an all-star leap, but I think we're seeing a significant impactor leap. 
He was one of those guys that could come in on a game-to-game basis. If he was on, he could significantly alter the game. I think now every single game that Mikhail Bridges plays in, his presence will be felt. Obviously, a couple games here and there, he might have a dud, he might be injured, so on and so forth. But whenever Mikhail's playing, I think the other team is going to have to start taking notice. If they weren't taking notice before. But his jump shot looks smoother. He looks smoother overall, which I think was a big part, especially with his hitch and his jump shooting motion. And he, he's locked in on defense. A couple other guys to look at for the Suns. Uh, Aaron Baines has not played yet, but he is expected to come in and play. Kelly Oubre is out for the remainder of Orlando. Devin Booker looks good, looks smooth. Uh, he's running more of an offense, or at least it seemed like he was more focused on running an offense in the scrimmages, with it, which I don't hate. Ricky Rubio looks really good getting that leaner, uh, doing some good passing. DeAndre Ayton shooting some NBA threes. Uh, shout out face tattoos everywhere. Awesome to see Aiton finally incorporating that three into his offense. I think if you've been following the Suns uh, for Aiton's tenure, it's been something that fans have been harping at forever is to just get him to attempt threes. We don't need him to hit him. They've been saying, fans have been screaming, we don't need him to hit the threes. We just need him to take it. And he started taking them and hitting them. So if that's something the Suns can incorporate it in as well, I'm not saying that they're going to make it in the playoffs because that is... It's like a 1% chance, if not less, guys. It's just not going to happen. But I think that this could be used as a really productive time for Phoenix. And if they're able to make a little bit of noise, if they're able to produce a little bit, then I think it'd be good for them. And if they're able to kind of establish a little bit more of an identity going in the future based off this Orlando bubble, I think that the experience would be worth it. So the first game is today, Friday, when I'm recording this, and probably later days when I'm going to be putting it out, against the Washington Wizards, who have a very depleted lineup. So hopefully for the Suns and their fans in the playoff chances, they uh, they could take down a very weak Washington team. Uh, that about does it for the NBA bubble news. We're going to get a lot, a lot more, except for one quick thing, but I wanted to talk about it along with the WNBA, or the Wubble, uh, as we talk about... Uh, social protests and things of that nature when it comes to sports returning. And I wanted to talk about the WNBA and the NBA together because they've kind of been in the news together when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And when it comes to how you discuss the WNBA and the dialogue around that. So first, let's talk about the peaceful protests and demonstrations that both leagues set. Now, the the Wubble, the WNBA bubble, started their season off beforehand and um, the... The team's opening night decided that they were going to walk off the court uh, during the national anthem. Both teams. And honestly, it was really, really cool to see. Um, The WNBA has not gotten the credit that it deserves in a lot of different settings. Whether it's the setting of just discussing sports, whether it's the setting of discussing basketball, or whether it's a setting of discussing social injustice and social justice protests and reforms. Uh, the WNBA has been the forefront of all of that, people. Before the NBA, they, they, before the NBA were pushing it, things of that nature, before all these other leagues, before it became these huge stories, WNBA has been about that life. And it's something you can't take away from them. It's awesome to see. I think it was Maya Moore. Maya Moore sacrificed seasons of her prime. Again, this is one of the greatest women's basketball players of all time. Sacrificed seasons in the prime of her career to dedicate it to freeing an innocent man from prison. Think about that in NBA context. Think about a player giving up the prime years of their career for social justice. 
Not taking anything away from guys like LeBron, who are absolutely awesome and do so much, so much more than so many other people. And so many guys in the NBA are amazing. And not taking anything away from them because they have by far been out of the four major sports, the more, the most forefront when it comes to these social justice issues. But the WNBA, man, they have really, really done awesome. Not just now, but in the past when it comes to social justice reform. Stand up, clap for them, support them. Uh, of course, you're trash if you trash on the WNBA, uh, making all these sexist jokes. Terrible. You're stupid. You're wrong as well. And support the WNBA just like NBA players do. Uh, but the NBA players also, you know, not to not to be alone in the social justice reforms and the uh, the anthem protests. Uh, both teams, Jazz and the Pelicans, and then of course the Lakers and the Clippers, uh, took a knee and locked arms in a in a show of unity and solidarity uh, during the national anthem in both of the games. So shout out to those guys continuing to use their platforms. As far as you know, us at the Rick and Nick show using our platforms, what we've been standing on since. You know, day one of all of this is educate yourself, uh, learn about the, the the plight of African Americans, not only in this country, but in all, all countries across the world, understand where systemic racism comes from, uh, where terms like white privilege and stuff come from, uh, attack it with an open heart, an open mind. Um, you know, it's, a, it's really easy to pretend like you know what's going on, and it's really easy to pretend like whatever you do is right. Uh, it takes, you know, people with courage, and it takes smart people and people who are willing to be wrong to um, to really open up and learn about this stuff. So, you know, if you are one of these people that looks at these protests, that looks at the words Black Lives Matter on the court and in the commercials and things of that nature, and either you don't understand the meaning behind it, you don't uh, agree with it, you don't like it, you think it's political, all I ask is to keep an open mind and research. That's it. I won't stand up here in a pulpit. I won't preach like I know everything. I'm learning as well, but I suggest you do the same. But a uh, quick mention of the Wubble. Uh, the biggest story coming out of there is the Liberty, uh, who unfortunately have not been able to pick up a win, but Sabrina Ionescu has been their win that they picked up. She is absolutely going off. She is amazing. And, and what I love about the WNBA and what I've noticed is that what you see is what you get. Usually when a prospect is really good in college, they end up being really, really good, or at least decent and serviceable in the WNBA. And there's an element of that loss in the NBA, as far as busts go, as far as, you know, guys uh, being picked high and not exactly meeting their expectations. In fact, it happens a lot in the NBA. But in the WNBA, it doesn't seem like it. And when it does, it seems few and far in between, but... In her last game, after a rough start, you know, that, that that first initial debut wasn't her best game ever. She was able to drop 33 points on six three-pointers, made seven rebounds, and seven assists. And some of these shots were just absolutely crazy. Start to finish, she was dominating. Excuse me. She was dominating, and uh, it, it was awesome. So check out the WNBA, the Wubble. Uh, a lot of great stuff coming out of there, but not a lot of great stuff. Coming out of Major League Baseball now, baseball now. Look, we we got the season, we're in it, but it only took about a week to get the first problem with coronavirus, and that comes via the Miami Marlins. Look, I understand that when you are in the middle of a season, especially a shortened one. You want to play every game because every game counts. 
But if you have the short-sightedness to know that you have coronavirus and still choose to play the game, that's just unacceptable. It's just plain stupid. And now they have games suspended and postponed until the end of this week. And honestly, it might be even more. Uh, If I have to give my real opinion, my true opinion on what I think is going to be happening in the MLB, I don't think it's going to end, man. I just don't. If you can't make it this far in, I don't think you're going to be able to make it in. I'm sorry. Especially even on opening night, you didn't have plans for the rain delay. I just don't think that non-bubble sports are going to work. Now, I think they're going to try to drag it on. I think baseball is going to last at least a couple more weeks. uh, Just because once you got the ball rolling, it's going to be a lot harder to stop the ball from rolling. So, does the MLB finish its season? I'm not sure. If it does, I'm very interested to see what happens. Because... A lot of teams are kind of responding weird to, to the shortened season. I mean, just through games that I've watched alone, some rotations are different, some batting is different, and of course, you know, people have to get used to it. They didn't really have that full preseason. They had scrimmages and things of that nature, and of course, we've seen some not-so-great pitching, especially from the local team, the D-backs. We could talk about that in just a second, but unfortunately, baseball fans, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I just don't. Uh, there's just too many moving parts and all you need is for one team to get it, and you go on and on and on, and it's just gonna it's gonna keep going. And it's sad. I wish the NBA would, uh, sorry, the MLB would work, but I just don't think it will. And uh, I think that also goes for the NFL. Uh, the NFL doesn't really seem like they know what they're doing. Now they've put a couple plans into place. Uh, they have something there. They've canceled preseason. They've put some testing in place, things of that nature. But it's still. Still seems pretty pretty out there right now. It doesn't seem all too put together. But yeah, the, the, the NFL, it, it could happen, I guess. I think they're going to try to push forward. The NFL is going to do whatever they can to get a season going. But with, with no bubble, I just don't see it happening. But, you know, uh, some NFL news still going on. There's discussions on whether or not players will wear masks on the field, uh, I'm not exactly sure about that or if that would work. If they feel safe and they feel like they could perform doing that, I'm all for it. I just don't think a majority of players will come out and want to play that high-level competition with a mask on. But you can wear one when you go to a grocery store. It's not the same thing. Anyway, uh, NFL also suspends Antonio Brown eight games. Uh, I, I'm done with Antonio Brown as far as I'm concerned. Uh you know, that saga is over, and we've had a lot of players opt out of the NFL season. Specifically, a lot of Patriots players opting out. Some people are talking about possibly it being related to the Patriots tanking, but that's just not what the Patriots do. They that, That's like the opposite of what they go for. If they tank for Trevor Lawrence, it would be kind of changing up what their franchise has done, where it takes those guys who are not the, the blue bloods, not the top picks, and turns them into somebody. However... I don't think it's ever wrong to pair up Bill Belichick with a number one overall pick quarterback. But yeah, I mean, that about do it for the NFL. Not too long of a show today. Um, sports are really, we keep saying it every week, they're coming back, they're coming back. And I feel like we've been saying that just because we've been looking forward to it. And every little inkling we've got is officially them coming back. But, you know, the NBA regular season is starting. The MLB regular season is starting. NFL, college football, things like that are getting counted down. College football, I'm not sure is happening either. SEC changes over to a uh, a conference-only schedule. 
Um, I just don't see like these conference only schedules. They still involve travel. It's not like, you know, everybody is at the same school. So I don't see how that really makes that much of a difference. And I don't see how if they're not able to pay the players, I don't see it happening. And if it does, uh, and a kid ends up getting sick or dying, then that could be a huge hit and a huge blow to NCAA football as we know it. And it'd be just awful for, uh, for the players and everybody involved. But yeah, Shorter episode here, first time ever doing a solo show, probably some rough patches here and there, but, you know, I tried my best, put it out there, let me know what you think, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at EricRuby underscore, you can also follow our show at Rick and Nick Show, and of course you can follow Nick at Nick underscore White TV, he would always appreciate that, leave us a 5 star rating and review on the podcast, find us on Spotify, Apple Music, and Anchor. Until then, guys, please, please, please never forget wear a mask, wash your hands, black lives matter, and of course, enjoy sports. See you guys next time.